Romans 6. I'm not going to have you read because we need to walk through this. We actually did, uh, I think, the first paragraph or maybe more last week, but I'm going to quickly go over it. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? So what does it mean to die to sin? This is a bit hard concept for us. I think I'm going to tell a story that to me illustrates it's, it's parallel kind of to my conversion in a way. I was teaching in a part of the world that's pretty secular because of Western influence. This is my first teaching experience. And when I arrived on campus, I discovered that we had 100 students. I was assuming I was coming over to teach at an Adventist college and to Adventist students to prepare them for service. I found out that we had 100 students, and of those 100 students, 10 were Adventists. Of the remaining 90 students, 10 more were Christians of other faiths. And of the remaining 80 students, all of them were other religions or secular. And I realized I, I really was in a mission field. So then I was to learn that many of my students had gone to Adventist middle schools in the area. And the way the conference did evangelism was through the middle schools. Middle schools would not just preach the gospel. They would literally bribe and berate the students into becoming Adventists. Mm -hmm. They would not give them A's if they didn't become an Adventist. Oh, oh my word. Really? They, yes. This is what I was told. Um, they would preach hellfire and damnation if they didn't become Adventists. They would frighten them, cajole them, rebuke them, bribe them into Adventism. And so every year there were 3,000 students who were baptized into the Adventist church. And every year at graduation, 3,000 students left the Adventist church. The Adventist church. And there was a student in my, I ended up teaching the Adventist beliefs, SDA beliefs. And it was a class we required of all students for the GE requirement. And they hated it. They hated that requirement. They did not want to take it. They, they were so resistant to becoming Adventists. These were the students who had resisted middle schools. Is this uh, high school or college? This is college. Okay. But they had resisted the middle, the middle schools school and the coercion. high school coercion. Okay. And they just did not want to take this class. And I went into the class first day and I said, I am not here to make you a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm here to tell you what I believe and it's up to you whether you accept it or reject it. There were eight, no, more like six Adventist students, most of whom were theology majors in the class. And there, was, there were two scouts who were Christians of other faiths, and they were there to find out what I was about and whether I was safe. Because these students, all the rest of the students were planning to wait till their senior year in the last quarter to take that class. Oh. Wow. So 
I gave it my best shot. Saw it in the picture of God. And one of the scouts dropped the class about two-thirds of the way through the quarter. The other scout, I wrote a paper. On, they were supposed to write a paper on the Sabbath. A, a kind of a reaction, personal engagement paper. Uh, and then they had to do a Bible study on it. He wrote a paper on why Sunday was the right day of worship. And so I wrote him a note on the paper. I gave him an A. It was a good paper. I wrote a note on the paper. If you have trouble with the Bible study part of this assignment, please see me. I'll have an alternative for you. I was going to make him prove Sunday was... Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> was the right day. He never saw me. He never did the assignment. So we got a lowered grade. I thought I was done with that class. We only taught it once a year. And during Christmas break, I wound up meeting with the, pre- the, the academic dean. Mm-hmm. And he said, Gene, would you be willing to teach SDA Beliefs next quarter? I said, what? <laughs> we just taught it, and uh, we only teach it once a year. He said, well, as a matter of fact, I have 25 students wanting to take it from you. Well, isn't that cool? Wow. One and to take it. So the scout returned. <laughs> the scout that left, he returned. And um, I taught the class again. I made my little speech. I'm not here to make you an Adventist. I hoped I wasn't lying. And I'm. it's up to you whether you accept it or not. So I began taking them through pretty much the beliefs that are common to other Christians. But then I was starting to come toward why Jesus had to die. And, that, and whether God really destroys the wicked or not. And I had asked them at the beginning of the quarter to write us a paper on their picture of God. I said, if you don't believe in God, just write a, write a paper on what you would believe he's like if you did believe in him. Mm-hmm. So I got the stack of papers, and I took them home, and I began to read. And most of them gave the spiel they had heard in middle school, mm. you know, just one after another, after another, after another. I was kind of depressed because I was like, come on, get real. It wasn't them. Yeah, it's not you. What, is, what do you really think God is like? Mm-hmm. Here came uh, Charles' paper. God is a toy maker who makes human beings to be his toys. <laughs> if they cooperate, he likes them. If they don't, he destroys them. Mm. This is your scout? No. No. This is Charles. I'm renaming him. And I sat there and I thought, oh. I I had a mixture of consternation and relief all at the same time. Mm -hmm. At least he was real. Mm -hmm. At least he was honest. I happened to find out that he had resisted the middle school treatment for nine years, nine years of Adventist education, and resisted and resisted and resisted, and everybody had given up on him. He was never going to come. He was also the most polite, courteous young man in every other class but but that one. (laughs) And he was constantly fermenting and and mocking and undermining what I was doing, and I just taught above it. I just mm-hmm. said, I'm not going to let this get to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, at the end of one class period, I was getting ready to talk about why Jesus had to die. I said, so what will God do to those who don't love him? Will he destroy them? And 
this kid who had never said a word at that point in terms of, you know, my asking for answers or anything, spoke up very loudly, and he was normally very soft-spoken. He spoke up very loudly and said, he'll destroy them. I said, will he? Will he? He cocked his head and looked at me like, what? What are you going to tell me? Of course he'll destroy them. That's all I've ever been taught. I came the next day and explained why Jesus had to die and how it was sin that took his life. And that's an example of what will happen with the wicked. And I watched this very oppositional, defiant person in terms of Adventism melt. And at that culture and most cultures, men never cry. It's shameful for a man to cry. So he took his notebook and went like this to hide his emotion. And the next class, he brought his Bible for the first time. And he, and a few weeks later, I found him circulating among the, his classmates, showing them where the texts were, helping them find them in their Bibles. Complete transformation. He died to sin that day. And when he was baptized a couple of weeks, a couple of years later, he buried his toy maker God in those waters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That to me is dying. Yeah, yeah. You can't die to something unless you have something better. And so many of us, when we encounter the, all the trying to die to self, we try to make it happen. And we beat on ourselves and we try to pull ourselves down and, and, and try to just die to self. And yes, there is a time when we have to make decisions that make it feel like we're dying to self. But, but real death to self is embracing the life. And the life destroys the death, the, the sin. That's a and that's the context within Adventism. I mean, because you're telling about how they were wanting to, and because that's the context we live in, us, because we're, well, we're raised Adventist or teaching Adventist institutions or whatever. Um, but it's bigger than it, than, than Adventism, what happened to him. He obviously decided to join the Adventist church. He joined the Adventist church as a qualification, I think, to his joining. He understood very well that not all Adventists would agree with him. Would agree with him? With, the, with his picture of God, his newfound faith, and what won yeah. him to Christ. He was very well aware. I mean, he had the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, he was worried that if the person who baptized him mm-hmm. didn't have the same picture of God he did, mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be bona fide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I assured him that God understood all that because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't baptize them at that time. Right. It was 1980s. So I reassured him. But, uh, Jane, didn't you experience when he's talking about that's so powerful, this, this first few verses, when it's talking about that, that death and burial and resurrection to the. But when you experience that yourself in, in your conversion or whatever, you know. 
and often a lot of us that grew up in pretty structured Adventist mm -hmm. homes and thought we, you know, if we quit eating this or we did mm -hmm. this, then we'd be spiritual. And the more we did, the worse we felt. <laughs> God, you know. The worse we treated other people, <laughs> right. and the worse, worse we, yeah, well, worse that. we behaved. Yeah, I know. And I, I remember when I started teaching high school. It was during that. Many of my students, the model students, every other class, they had all this this turmoil when they came into Bible class. It was in the seven, you know, the that was the Laurelwood, wasn't it? Was terrible. They were poor kids, were such. But when God came in, it was like effortless. Mm -hmm. He just changed your desires mm -hmm. and your feelings and mm -hmm. your thoughts and your, and it was just. It, it's a, I gave I gave countless. I gave Bible studies and Bible studies and Bible studies to these students. And and yeah. I had six form six students I never had taught Bible to, who because of the witness of my students who I had yeah. taught, yeah. decided they wanted to study with me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I had all these students in my house, yeah. sometimes sitting knee to knee because I had an extremely yeah. tiny living room. Yeah. It was about half the size of this room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Um, you know, once they fell in love with Jesus, once yeah. they knew the yeah. Father, oh. everything was done. They yeah. accepted everything else. Everything which made sense. It just yeah. fit together. They, they had no issues. Um, I didn't have to get, say, oh dear, tomorrow I have to deal with Sabbath, or tomorrow we have to deal with food, or no, tomorrow we have to deal. I didn't have to worry about that because I knew the struggle had been won. Yeah. The battle had been won. They were... They were there where they needed to be, and they totally were ready to accept anything that God asked them to do. And, of course, I tried to make it make sense as much as possible. Wow. Yeah. I guess I keep thinking about, like, you know, is it Philip? Is he the one that baptized the Ethiopian? Yeah. How he baptized him. Before the Bible studies. Just yeah, it was just he was converted. He was doing like what yeah. we're talking about right now. He was transformed, and not, you know, not he wasn't baptized into a structure. Yeah. He was baptized into tra into, into Jesus, Christ, right, and into Jesus. And so I guess I don't know how to um, how to think or, or without like being so extreme about. Well, I live in the structure of Adventism, and and how it's, it's I, something I struggle with. I, I don't want to like say no to all of that, you know, Adventism kind of thing because of the you know, structure, and yet I don't know what to do with that. Go ahead, uh, I I struggle with that, yeah. and it it doesn't work. Like my son has really come back to the Lord, but it's and he he would it's, he, he's up here now, so it's more difficult, but. Adventist, Adventist church doesn't work for him. <laughs> yeah. He's 40. And, you know, I go down to the hillside with him. Yeah. And we right. worship. And, yeah, we're, right. and, we're, and, and, and he's, Dad, we got to go over to Sacramento. And, I mean, these guys, this is confrontational preaching. I mean, they, these guys preach the word. And mm -hmm. it just, but it's a different kind of environment for that generation and what they respond to. But, yeah. you know, I was I, I was in field school in, in, in Scotland with Dale Brousset. Dale Brousset, I remember him. We would baptize them as <laughs> soon as they came to Jesus. <laughs> and it was such a heretical thing. We're coming out of the seminary and we're over there. And we baptize them into wait. Jesus. Oh. And Dale said, just calm down, you guys. Just calm down. And then his whole, the other thing, do you love Jesus enough? 
to, to do it his way. But they fell in love with Jesus, and he baptized them. You know, I, I worked with I worked with two with two Asian students here at PUC. They were sisters, and I they they had come to Jesus with other people beyond the hill, but they also had been in my classes. They actually took more classes from me than anyone else. And they asked, they decided they wanted to be baptized. They wanted to be Adventists, and I said, "You really you want to be Adventists, or you know?" And I was. I was prepared to, you know, I just want to be with Jesus, you know. So I thought, well, if they want to be Adventists, I have to do the 28 fundamental beliefs. So I studied with them while they were in the last year here and kind of just everywhere and having trouble focusing on the studies. But we did, I did the best I could do. I baptized them. And after I baptized them, they wanted to study. And they wanted to study in earnest, and they were much more ready to well, listen to what I said. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not opposed to that. I, I just the brethren have a problem with it. <laughs> oh, as far as baptizing to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody here would necessarily have a problem with it, but. Well, it's kind of the Bible says the Spirit will lead you into all truth. I know it says the. Administration, <laughs> <laughs> or the church will lead you into all <laughs> We don't, yeah. you know, just if you guys have a revival, I mean, I'll have to come down and see this. But it, I mean, it, it gets so, it, it gets so different. It's so different than the way we do the structured religion, and it, it doesn't yeah. follow the bounds. There's a difference between well, it's. Religion is is about control, isn't it? it? And and spiritual and spiritual life, the spiritual life in Jesus is about hands off and freedom. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he uses unconventional people. Well, in in evangelism, in the book Evangelism, there's a statement that God is going to work outside the usual order of things. Yeah, he does. He says that. And I think we have to be a part of that. We have to. Be willing. I mean, there's a person in my life who would like me to baptize them, not into the church, but into Christ. And unfortunately, it's never happened. Maybe it was fortunate for me. He's a big guy, and I have a bad back. (laughs) 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 And he wants to be baptized. Yeah, and he wants to be baptized in a river or or a lake. And I'm like. Help, Lord. <laughs> Help me not to fall in. <laughs> My feet go out from under me because those rocks are slippery. The <laughs> yeah, you professor drowned. <laughs> I don't think I would drown unless he fell in on top of me. Yeah. But <laughs> I know how to swim. <laughs> but still. Um, I just think we do need to think outside the box completely. I think we need a complete, fresh vision of who Jesus is and what it means to serve him. We're going to stop with those first two verses. (laughs) But but let's finish with uh, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We joined him in his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. 
so we too might walk in newness of life. It really is carrying that rebirth theme, whether you're, you die and you're, you're totally new. But that dying is not something we manufacture. No, we yeah. It has to be by the Spirit. Yeah. Because only if we kill ourselves, we, we crucify Jesus. Yeah. Inevitably, that's what happens. Because, because doing it to ourselves is we do it on a sin, sinful way. The Spirit does, is, does not berate us into salvation. The Spirit does not um, structure and control. do structure and control. The Spirit transforms, In, not conforms. So into freedom, into freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So this dying to self is something that's the result of meeting the love of God, and it, the love of God crucifies all those passions of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Praise the Lord. Wow. Gracious God. We make so hard what is really so simple, and that is about you and what you want to do in us. Empty us of ourselves and set us free from ourselves, so that by death to ourselves we might fully understand and appreciate your love, and then share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.